0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, here's where I want to start. I just want, I think, people to keep this in mind throughout this episode. And I hope that, you know, you keep this in mind throughout every episode. But it truly is an amazing thing to be awake during this time in our lives with everything that's going on. And not living in the matrix and being able to step back, excuse me, and see every single thing that's taking place, or at least most of the things that we can see taking place, and then understand that there are endless individuals who are not awake and they have no idea what's going on. And they are aimlessly shuffling through their lives, believing that what they see, what they hear, what they read, what they think is actually real, when it clearly is not, and it's clear to us that it isn't. And there are endless examples that I'm going to bring up in this episode, as I typically do in every episode, but I just want people to sort of keep that theme in mind, that while an individual who is awake may sit and say, wow, this is really burdensome, and you know, this is really difficult to be awake. During this time and around, a great deal of people who are not, and of course, see them out in public. And again, you can you can look at them, and you know that they're not awake. It could be a T-shirt that they have on that has a particular message on it. It could be a bumper sticker that they identify with that's on the back of their car. It could be the mask that they're wearing. Uh, You know, a a thousand things. We can see these people. And yes, while it's burdensome to, to an extent, that, that feeling of it being a burden goes away rather quickly. And me personally, I just think to myself, wow, how fortunate I am to be awake during all of this and, and witness this for what it really is. Because again, we have a very unique ability here and I think a very unique responsibility to bring as much truth to bear as possible. And criticize all sides of every angle that that we have to criticize, because again there's a fraction of individuals who believe that they are awake and yet in their false belief, they are still spreading endless lies and I of course have have brought this up on numerous occasions in a variety of avenues, but you know the, again, there are just endless examples that I could specifically pick from, but there's certainly a few that I'm going to mention here in this episode. So basically just kind of keep that in mind I think throughout and certainly throughout this episode. In fact, let me bring up one quick example. I was listening to Renette Sunum the other day. And I like Renette. She seems like a friendly individual. She seems like she's certainly on our side and she wants to do well and is doing well and and waking up a lot of people and bringing up a lot of very interesting subjects, but it's interesting, even watching her maturation. I, again, you're talking about a former leftist, a hard left individual from California and or New York, and uh, and they're still waking up. Again, they're bringing up a great deal of very serious subjects, and they're exposing a great deal of very important things. But when I hear someone like what Renette was speaking about recently, On her Substack channel, and it's like a 15 minute audio clip of her talking about this, but she's talking about the unnecessary nature of us dividing one another and how all of that division is purposefully manufactured to bring everybody down and destroy everybody, and we're playing into the controller's hands, quote unquote, and a thousand other things. That's not necessarily true. This very simple fact remains, and it is a fact that you cannot defeat an enemy if you don't hone in on what that enemy is where that enemy is and what that enemy does that's not divisive it's only divisive for the people who don't know who the enemy is it's only divisive for the individuals who again don't want to call out who the enemy is because it becomes it becomes offensive to them to some extent and to which i would say the easiest way to alleviate offense that a person feels, which is a feeling, okay, that's offensive. Well, that's a feeling. So how do you alleviate that? You alleviate it with facts. It just means that you have more research to do, more reading to do, more listening to do, more watching to do. That's the issue here. Let me give you again one example. The individuals coming to our country illegally, do all of them have ill intent? Of course not. Of course not. A child who is being pulled by the arm over a fence from one foreign country to another, time after time, that child doesn't have any ill harm or ill intent toward us. Of course not. Are there teenagers or even adults, male or female, who don't have ill intent? Of course there are. There are plenty of individuals, again, who are crossing our border who don't have ill intent toward us. They're in a foreign land. They know that. The questions have to do with, who are the people who do have ill intent? Who's funding the entire thing? And can we call these people out? And the fact is, is yes, we can. We know who they are. We know all of the different angles in which they control politicians, and we know that there is an apparatus in place that exists in our country that is seeking to destroy our country, which means you and me, us, all of us. That's happening on a constant basis. We get to divide people any way that we see fit, in particular if it allows us and those around us who are not awake to see the enemy clearer. And in a more objective viewpoint, and from a more objective viewpoint, that has to happen. You can't paint with a wide brush all of the time. Sometimes you have to use a different brush, and it has to be a pinprick of a dot and say, that's the enemy. But then, if you do that often enough, you're going to see how frequent the enemy actually operates, and where they exist, and what they're actually doing. Again, all the NGOs that I've brought up on the show, like in the last episode, same thing. Again, these groups get together and they talk about trying to destroy our country. They don't say destroy, they say rework, remanage, rethink. We need to do all of this and do all of that, and we need to reimagine a particular country in, in which it benefits everybody. This is this is ridiculous this of course is our enemy then you have to look at the individuals and say who are these actual individual people getting together discussing this and what are their motives and who are they associated with and where do they get their funding and where is this all coming from all of this matters and we get to call these people out it doesn't matter who they are but it's getting it's just again my whole point with this is, is the following. You have to be able to call out your enemy, and it's not divisive to do so like I said earlier. It's only divisive in the mind of the individual who doesn't know who the real enemy is. Again, if we were really evil people, we would be, again, getting together and Talking about how we're going to take over the world and create this NGO and that 501c3 and this, that, and the other. And then we would walk down the street and we would start kicking all of these different races and different people and different genders right in the chest and knocking them to the ground and name calling and this, that, and the other. We don't do that. We don't do that. That's not us. That's what our enemy does, though. And us calling out the enemy for doing the things that they do. That's not divisive. That's the truth. And anybody gets to do that. And we get to do that. So I would encourage people, even Renette, I would encourage her to not stop learning and not stop unlearning. And that when a person continues to learn and they bump up against something that gets a little uncomfortable because it starts to shake their comfortable delusion a little too much, and then they back away from it. That's usually the indicator that you need to keep going with that particular subject. That's a wall that you need to break through. Again, bringing up Renette Sunum, I'll give you an example. She wrote a substack not that long ago about how she started watching Europa the Last Battle. Well, she openly stated in that, sub, in that substack article that she didn't finish it. That she only got like one or two episodes in. Well, she's not done yet, is she? <laughs> I mean, she's not finished yet. She has more learning to do. And you can hear it because she keeps using the term anti Semitic. There's a lot of individuals out there who are anti Semitic. She keeps saying that. She doesn't know the history of that made up word. It's the dead giveaway. It's the giveaway that she stopped watching the documentary, she stopped learning because particular things got a little sensitive for her. Well, again, that's the wall that you have to break through. You have to get through that that feeling of being uncomfortable. And it's only uncomfortable again, and it has been for many of us, of course, over over the years, if not decades. It's only uncomfortable because we're butting up against the very thing that we've all believed, even though that thing that we've believed isn't real. We're bumping up against the lie that we've been told and the misleading that's been taking place. Again, let me give you another example, a recent one. This was going to be the first thing I brought up, and it ties right in. The whole moon landing thing this past week, did you catch any of this nonsense? I mean, I can't believe that there are people that still believe this. In fact, it's a good thing is that you can see how many people know that it's fake and that it's always been fake. In fact, when the uh, again, if you're unaware, we actually landed on the moon so they say. Of course we didn't. It's fake. But there was a story about it last Thursday that some, you know, lunar rover landed on the moon for the first time since God knows when and blah blah blah. You know, it's a it's a couple of uh NPC fat boys sitting inside of this room and they're, you know, They're clapping their hands a little bit and and fist pumping and going, Yeah, we did it. And I'm going, I've seen better graphics in a PlayStation 5 video game than what I just saw on this screen. And then, of course, it's absolutely hilarious because (laughs) if it were real, which it's not, who took the footage on the surface of the moon? Why is it that we're watching this thing, you know, shoot down and then land on the moon? And then we're just supposed to believe it because why? Because the news station told us. This level of brainwashing continues to exist. Fortunately, there are numerous individuals, again, that are waking up. In fact, if you don't believe me, get on Telegram and go over to Disclosed TV, which I believe is the largest Telegram channel. Disclosed TV put up that story about the fake moon landing. They were like, we landed on the moon. Get into the comments section. I'm telling you, it's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. Almost everybody, and I'm telling you, there, there were over 400 and some odd comments. Almost every single one knows that it's fake. That's unavoidable. And it's amazing. And it's a beautiful thing to read. I mean, it's, it's hilarious. The posts are absolutely funny. But then you'll get one post from this one pathetic person. Who will say again? And you feel bad for them to some extent because they're completely brainwashed. But they go, "Uh-oh, you know, another another moon landing uh, news event. Here come all the flat earthers, and here come all the hoaxers and all the conspiracy theorists, because that person what still believes the lie, because they don't know that it's legal for the media to lie in our country." They don't, they don't grasp this. They, they have no concept of that. Again, the answer is always multi-dimensions, and it's, it's multiple dimensions deep. That's why that scene in the movie The Matrix is so important between Neo and the bald-headed child. The bald-headed child is bending this spoon, and Neo looks at him, and he's, he's observing him from a distance, and then he says, here, you give it a try and he takes the spoon, and he's looking at it, and he's trying to bend it with his mind. And the kid, of course, looks at him and says, you have to get past it. You have to to understand that it's not that there's a spoon in your hand when you think that there is, and it's not that you think that you can bend it, which you can't. You have to understand that there is no spoon. That's the third dimension down that people have a hard time understanding. Again, Take Renette Sunum for example. Like I said earlier, she uses the term anti-Semitic. Well, they want us divided, and there's a lot of anti-Semitism that exists, and we can't allow that, and they want us divided. Renette, there is no such thing as anti-Semitism. It doesn't exist. It's a made-up word by the very enemy that has to be called out because that's one of their strategies. One of their strategies in warfare is to make up names and then get people to use those names as as if they're real when they aren't. And then, which I'll bring up here in just a second, create laws around those fake words and then dish out punishments if people don't go along with those fake words. Again, this is multi dimensional warfare. On a mental and emotional basis, and a social basis, and a physical basis, because this is what centuries of lying has done. And breaking through all of that is not easy and it takes time. But when it gets uncomfortable, that's not when you revert back to, well, we shouldn't divide one another. No, we have to divide one another. We do it on a constant basis, don't we? The awake and the unawake, the jabbed and the unjabbed. Again, you can't can't wake everybody up, but with a truthful message, it's just basic math, you're going to wake up someone, somebody, someplace is going to change their entire outlook on things one piece at a time. If something gets said that shakes up or goes against a mainstream narrative or a mainstream wavelength of thought, which is typically, if it's mainstream, It's typically not factual. And that has to be disrupted. And people have to have the courage to do that from time to time. Let me give you another example of something that happened this past week. And again, this video clip was making the rounds. And I thought to myself a couple of things. I thought, well, okay. And then I thought, well, she's not awake yet. And it was Candace Owens, again, apparently for the first time in her life, talking about. What kinds of books, the so-called, quote-unquote, it's her term, she used it, Nazis, were burning. So what kind of books were they burning, she said on her show, which of course is allowed to be on YouTube. Why? Because she makes YouTube money and she gets a kickback. So she's playing the YouTube game, but even so, let, let me focus in on her comments. Again, this must have been the first time she's figured this out, that the books that they were burning, on college campuses, were pedophilic books. It was pornography. It was Marxism. It was communism. Those were the books that they were, it was Bolshevism. Those were the books that they were destroying from those authors, those ideologies, those perversions, those satanic agendas, which happened to be at the time Jewish and still are to a great extent today. Same thing. But she's just now figured this out. Where she makes her mistake, of course, is not necessarily in her timing because she's not awake, let's face it, and numerous individuals like her, again, are are waking up at different times and at different paces, but she still uses the term Nazi. Again, it goes back to there is no spoon. Think multidimensionally about it. Nazi is a a made-up term. I've been over this a million times on the show, but people keep using it because they don't know. It's the dead giveaway again that they're not awake. It's a derogatory term. No one in Germany called themselves Nazis. They didn't do it. You and I wouldn't walk around calling ourselves ignorant or ignats, which is what it means. There's no location called Nazi Germany. (laughs) It's not, it's not on a map. It's not on a map. There's no town called Nazi, and oh, they're in the country Germany, so it's Nazi Germany. No. No, that's not what it was called. You're using Bolshevistic language created by Bolsheviks for the purpose of division. Well, we get to call out the divisive ones, don't we? We get to call out the people who create division. And as we know, who's the master of that division? Satan. We know that. And who do they worship? satan see how that see how that goes this is the, again this continues to be the problem but this is also a, a part of the problem and i have two particular stories here that i wanted to bring up again right off the top this first one again same wavelength of thought here normalizing this division on on one side should give away who the divisive ones really are and then what their motive is and what their agenda is This comes from the website akronjewishnews.com. I didn't even know this site existed. Of course, at the top it says, we stand with Israel and stars everywhere. And okay, this is real. This is actually happening in our country. South Dakota Senate passes IHRA anti-Semitism definition. This was on February 23rd of this year. It says by a vote of 31 to 3, The South Dakota Senate approved HB 1076, which would enshrine into law the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance's working definition of anti Semitism. It says the following In the state, by having a clear definition of anti Semitism, law enforcement and education agencies can be better equipped to recognize and ultimately combat all forms. Of contemporary anti Semitism, so says this Arthur uh, Mazerjan. I'm saying that right, probably not. Chief of staff of the Combat Anti Semitism Movement told the Jewish News Network, or whatever the hell this is Akron Jewish News. It says he noted that in South Dakota specifically, the law requires the consideration of the IHRA definition of antisemitism, when investigating cases of discrimination through the Division of Human Rights. This will allow law enforcement officials and legal authorities to better understand instances of anti-Semitism when committed as criminal acts and potential hate crimes. Do you see this slippery slope? This right here again is what happens when someone who doesn't know the full history of this tries to get people to say well look we don't need to be divisive we don't need to divide people we we don't need we we don't need to do that i'm telling you this right here is the division they create it because it's in their text it's in all their historic text and they're not going to stop As we've been warned from the past in numerous publications and numerous speeches by very famous people, including, of course, plenty here in our country, that they're not going to stop until criticizing them is illegal and then punishable by death. But this isn't suspicious for anybody, apparently. I mean, it's suspicious to a great deal of us, of course, but for many, they don't find this the least bit suspicious. This is this is institutionalized normalization of criminal behavior. It goes on here, it says Sasha Reitman, of course, CEO of Combat Anti-Semitism, lauded Governor Kristi Noem quote for making this legislation a policy goal of hers, strengthening the use of IHRA working definition in South Dakota through legislation following the December 2021 adoption via executive proclamation. The legislation passed in the South Dakota House last month requires a signature from the governor to become law. And of course, it will become law and Governor Nome will sign it because Governor Nome is a traitor to our country. So they get to criticize us but we don't get to criticize them. And if it just so happens that one of them ends up dead, a Jewish individual ends up dead, well, then it's a hate crime. But remember, if a white person dies, it's not a hate crime. It's looked at completely differently. And me bringing that up isn't divisive. Me bringing that up is a fact. That's a real thing. Let me give you another example. I was going to save this for later, but I'll, I'll bring it up now. You may recall the name Taylor Lorenz. Taylor Lorenz is a female employee of the Washington Post. Very famously, again, she was out there crying for one reason or another on camera and fil- filming herself being upset because either she lo- temporarily rather, lost her job or whatever it was. Either way, or getting attacked online by people because she's a lunatic. She actually sat down at a table outside of this restaurant with Chaya Ratchik, who is the libs of TikTok gal. I'm telling you, if you if you watch this interview, which I, I will link below, okay? I put it out on Gab, and I basically just said, good luck, this is really going to make your head hurt, because it does these two individuals, again, don't know what they're talking about. Neither one of them do. Again, Libs of TikTok just recently woke up to some extent during the 2020 stuff, and she recognized that what was happening was wrong. Whereas Taylor Lorenz, of course, was writing about how everything that was taking place and all the totalitarianism that was going on was completely just and had to exist, you know, because of COVID, quote unquote, and the pandemic. Now, Taylor Lorenz is wearing a mask during this interview. And as you might expect, you can see it in her face and in her eyes that this woman has lost the plot if she ever even had it. She's multiple jabbed at least three times. I'm shocked she's alive. She has AIDS. She doesn't know it. She's breathing heavily into this mask. Her eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like she's filling up like a balloon as she's talking with Chaya Ratchik. And Chaya Ratchik, again, doesn't know everything that she's talking about. It really is this very interesting... Again, well, I would say this. It's a case study in watching two individuals who both believe that they are awake when, in fact, neither one of them is. Neither one of them is awake. Again, there is no spoon. They're both there staring at spoons trying to bend them. There is no spoon. You're both wrong. They actually go back and forth about Uvalde, Texas. I found this particular part of the interview rather interesting. It was comical, because Taylor Lorenz attacks Chaya for saying that the Yovaldi shooter and murderer was a tranny. Now, again, there is no spoon. There was no shooting. Th- there was no tranny. That's it. There was an online picture of them dressed like a girl. That that popped up immediately. So now you, again, in this useless conversation between these two dimwits, you have Taylor Lorenz trying to get Chaya Ratchik to apologize for calling a murderer, so they both think. <laughs> you following me here? They both think that this person was an actual murderer of children and staff member. Apologize for calling them a tranny when in fact they're not a tranny and you need to take that back. And then Chaya Ratchik goes back and says, well, Twitter community noted me on that comment, so it's been community noted, so, you know, it's not not real and, and that's fine. So now we're relying on Twitter to tell us the truth. It's not the individual human mind that can figure out what the truth is. We now have to have a useless conversation about something that didn't exist between two people, and then when we post about it online, well, if the online robot tells us that it's not real, then it must not be real. But if it tells us that it's real, well, then it must be real. You see the state of confusion here in our entire country and on the entire world? the multi-dimensional Faceted approach of all of this brainwashing and the impact it's had on everybody. No one's free from this. Nobody. We've all been victimized by it. The only difference is is who wakes up and who doesn't. Again, very famously, last week, yet again, bringing it back to this real quickly. Last week, Alex Jones went on a tear about how a bunch of old white men are responsible for all of this corruption and all of this banking and all of these corrupt CEOs and all of this divisive messaging that it's all you know just a bunch of old white men we know that's not true and then he'll slide in very casually later on he'll slide in well you know they're christians and they're jews and they're they're muslims and they're this and they're that but it's really just a bunch of old white men again it's the dead giveaway if a person is afraid of being specific with who the enemy is that's that's a bit of a problem. That's a problem. Again, take take Catholic priests, for example. I know I'm going off the rails here a little bit, but it's the same thing. Is every priest a bad person? No. Are a great deal of them? Yes. Did they buy the COVID lie and get tricked? Yes. I'd say the vast majority of them did, didn't they? The pastors and ministers during the entire COVID lie. They had all their, you know, their so-called flock wearing masks and distancing, and they played all of the games that Satan wanted them to play. So who does that make them really? Does that make them better than anybody else? Does it make them more knowledgeable? Have they apologized? Wrap your head around that one too. Has the so-called clergy apologized for the entire lie? I haven't heard anybody apologize for it yet. Not school officials, not city council members, not priests and ministers, regardless of the denomination. haven't heard anybody apologize. That's because they haven't come to grips with what they've done. They haven't learned yet. We get to call these people out. We get to call them out for not being awake. This kind of awareness matters. This is a big deal. Let me give you another example. I, I, I mean, I can just keep ringing these off one after the other. Almost everybody, again, like clockwork, heard the story this past week of a female University of Georgia student who was murdered by a Mexican illegal alien. At the very least, he's Mexican. God knows what country he came from originally, but, you know, whatever. South of the border, we'll say. But the thing to keep in mind. Again, is that first of all, and I'm going to spend a, just a second on this particular story, but first of all, people have to understand that illegal aliens kill American citizens all of the time. Again, murder happens constantly in the United States, but the news will cherry pick a particular story in a particular location and then elicit a response and a thousand other things. I think that from that unfortunate event, and I wouldn't wish, of course, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But there's a lesson that needs to be learned here. And again, it's a lesson I've brought up numerous times, and you can probably figure out where I'm going with this. And it has to do with vigilance. Only in a brainwashed society, okay, follow me on this now for just a second. Only in a brainwashed society and with a brainwashed individual, do they give themselves away as being brainwashed because of the things that they do that actually bring about harm? And yet, they don't know that what they're doing as an individual brings about harm. Now, I fully understand that what I'm about to say is not popular for people. It's not a popular take. Gee, Sean, you should be more sensitive. Well, look, I would say the same thing if it was a family member of mine. Same kind of thing. When an individual in our country, as was the case with this young girl, when you put your life on the Internet, your name, your location, what you do, and when you're about to do it. And then, of course, you broadcast that everywhere for everyone to see. There are going to be people who see that. And those people who see it don't always have good intent. Now, I don't know if this Mexican who killed her was walking around with a cell phone going, "Oh." This girl lives locally because it says so on her Instagram page. It says she's going to go out for a morning jog because this is apparently something that she always does. So she says on her own Instagram page, I'm going to go kill her now. I don't know if he did that or not. It doesn't matter one way or another. The point is, is that it shows a lack of vigilance on the part of the victim, which only increases what? Victims. When people aren't vigilant in a dangerous world you're going to be the victim of something if your head isn't on a swivel if you're not carrying a gun if you don't know how to use it if again you're you're broadcasting your life on the internet and your location and everything else for everything you know for everyone to see if people have bought into the lie of living in cities and working in cities and You know, I'm gonna make it in the big time. So let's go to a city, and and they believe all of this. They're putting themselves in danger. Endless books have been written about this. Philosophers dating back before Christ spoke about this with regularity. This is dangerous. This is—I mean, clearly they didn't about Instagram. You know, I don't recall Plato coming uh, across—you know—coming across Plato's writings on on the dangers of Instagram. But you get what I'm saying is that this entire landscape is a dangerous one, and when a victim like that emerges in a situation like she, like when she found herself in, which we know she didn't ask for it, no one asked to be killed. Well, they do in Canada, but <laughs> you get, you know, euthanasia and all, you get what I'm saying. But either way, she didn't ask for it, but it shows a level of naivete that cannot be ignored. That has to be addressed in all of this, or else no lesson is being learned. Now, I've heard individuals also say this. They say, well, Sean, we should be able to put whatever we want on the internet, and we should be able to walk around freely, and we should be able to tell people what we do for fun, and give away our location if we want to, and we should be able to live in this society. As it turns out, should be isn't reality, is it? We really don't get to do that in the world that we live in. Clearly, the naive individuals do this with regularity. Again, I saw, this, I saw this particular phenomenon coming a mile away a very long time ago with the invention of social media. I was writing papers about its danger among youth and adults, that it was sucking people in, in this vortex and in this world, that would give them a false sense of security and a false sense of importance. And frankly, as I've brought up and written about in my books before, a sense of vanity and exhibitionism and voyeurism that is clearly not good, because none of those things are good qualities. But this again, this you know, like I've said before, there, there's two kinds of people on social media. You have individuals who want to educate and wake people up on one hand, And then on the other, you have vain individuals consistently taking pictures of themselves, saying, look what I'm doing, look where I'm going. No one gives a shit. No one really cares. But yet, here they are doing this, and while they're doing that, they're not even paying attention to their immediate surroundings. Again, I'm not saying that anybody deserves to die because they're not paying attention. That's not what I'm saying. Everybody should be free to, again, go for a jog on a college campus or around a college campus early in the morning if they choose to do so. But if your head's not on a swivel and you're not carrying a gun and you don't know about the world you live in, I've brought it up before and it's called cumulative risk. I have to slow down my word here when I say that in my my brain. Cumulative risk. You're accumulating risk. With each and every individual thing that you do that is further away from reality. I'm on Instagram. Here's what I dressed like today. Here's a picture of me. In a couple hours, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to be by myself and I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah. There's always people out there that want to hurt people. And the easiest people to hurt are the people who don't know their surroundings. I remember watching this a while back. It wasn't that long ago, but it was a guy who was either a police officer, very well trained, whatever, whatever he was, or he was a former criminal. It, that, that could have been it. I think he was a former criminal. And he, he would sit in this park and he was being filmed and all of this was being done again for educational purposes. And an individual would walk past him. And he would look into the camera and he would say, do you see that person right there? And the camera would pan over and they'd look at the individual and they'd say, I can take that person's wallet and I can assault that person right now, no problem. And they can't get away from me. Then the person behind the camera says, why, you know, why, like, what is it about the person that gives them away? He looks at him and he says, see the shoes they're wearing? They're wearing flip-flops. They're walking around wearing flip-flops, which means they're not going to run. They're probably going to trip, they're going to fall, they're wearing a skirt, they have a purse, it's not wrapped around them, it's just hanging off of their arm. I can, I can do basically whatever I want to that person. And I know that they're not carrying a gun, and that they don't have a knife on them. And that, again, the likelihood of them overpowering me based on their size, their stature, and the fact that they're not paying attention to anything around them and staring at their cell phone, that's my victim. That's my next victim, and then another person walks past who exemplifies the exact opposite of that particular individual. They were wearing laced up tennis shoes, their head was up, their shoulders were back. They, they were surveying their entire surroundings. They were looking around them. Their head was on a swivel. They had a coat on. So the guy goes, "This person would be a little a little harder to to victimize." They have running shoes on, they look athletic, they look like they're faster, they have a coat, they could have a gun underneath that coat, their head is on a swivel, their shoulders are back, they're paying attention, they're not looking at a cell phone, they're moving briskly. If I was to come up to them and maybe even get my hands on them, I don't know what's going to happen next, so that's not going to be my target. You see, I mean, people make videos about this kind of stuff all of the time. And unfortunately, again, in her case and in numerous other cases regarding, again, that female Georgia student, University of Georgia student, it shows a lack of awareness among the parents because the parents aren't teaching her about being vigilant. Now, I know someone would say, well, Sean, you can't carry a gun on a college campus. Of course you can. I understand it depends on the state. I fully get it, but you can in Georgia. And again, were they below the age of 21? Yeah, th- th- they were, which is, un- again, unfortunate. So they're not going to walk around with a pistol. But with that aside for a second, again, they're still not paying attention to their surroundings. They still believe, again, these false beliefs of, I'm on a college campus. Everybody here is, you know, exists here to have fun. Everything is going to be safe. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I mean, even those thoughts don't necessarily enter their mind because that's how far away and removed from reality they actually are. Again, let me give you another example, and it's, again, specifically has to do with her. And I'm not making fun of this departed individual. That's not what I'm doing. I'm simply trying to highlight the, the, the numerous different characteristics that exist Within a singular individual, and where the real lessons can be learned on whether or not said individual or any individual for that matter is awake or not. This was a nurse. This was a studying nurse at a major university. Was this person jabbed? Probably. They'd have to be. They would have to be COVID jabbed. Because again, to be a nurse, you have to be, don't you? Isn't that still a thing? Yes, it's possible she filled out an exemption. Again, I don't, I'm not trying to hone in on her jab status. I'm simply saying what an odd profession to pick for someone who, again, would be awake. Wanting to be a nurse in this day and age is for people who are dead asleep and don't know what's going on. Again, some would say even attending a college campus is an indication that an individual is not awake and has no idea what's going on. That's not always the case, though. We know a lot of individuals who go to college and they're awake and they know the dangers and they stay away from them and they play the game and fill out the exemptions so they don't have to be victimized and a thousand other things. But there's just numerous characteristics and numerous red flags and indicators that give away that a person is not paying attention to the world we live in. That has consequences. It always has consequences. Let me give you another one here. Moving away from her. And again, rest in peace. I mean, horrible situation. She's not the only one. That's happened numerous times with lots of people, which is remarkably unfortunate. And again, they're coming at the hands of illegal aliens these days a little more frequently. So again, not good. But there's this too. And this has to be brought up because it's right in the same vein. Why this particular story is. Is either celebrated or not. Or even or I should say this. The simple the simple fact that a person gets to think that this is okay should be a crime. I mean, it's right up there with minority report. We should arrest the person who thinks that this is okay. This is from the Washington Examiner, and it's titled Bipartisan Congress Duo Unveil Bill providing expedited citizenship for immigrants who enroll in the military. Now, a couple of things. First of all, it's already legal for illegal aliens, people who are not citizens of America, to be in the National Guard. Certainly in the state of Ohio, for some ungodly reason. We we know what the reason is. It's to destroy all of us, of course. But this right here is a massive problem. At face value, this seems like treason and sedition to me. This is knowingly engaging in treason and sedition because that's the motive of our military as it's being used now as a catch basin for illegals to ultimately come after us, the American citizen. So here's what it says. Two members of Congress who were U.S. military academy classmates and later Reconnected, it says, on Capitol Hill are looking to provide avenues for immigrants to gain citizenship while also building up recruitment for the military. Representatives Pat Ryan from New York, Democrat, and John James, Republican, quote-unquote, from Michigan, introduced the Courage to Serve Act on Friday, which provides an expedited path to citizenship for qualified and vetted migrants, it says. I hate the term migrants. I can't stand it who serve in the military. Now, specifically, there's really no reason to even bring up any more. I mean, we get it. It's ridiculous, and it shouldn't even exist. Again, the laws have to change in our country to where if somebody even proposes something like this, we lock them up. It's it's the proposal of treason and sedition that should be a crime, because that's what this is. Now, Stu Peters went off the rails, and I mean, thank God he did, regarding this particular subject last week on his show. And again, I'm, I'm glad that he did. He was 100% right. He basically said what I said, and I've said basically what he said. It's essentially the exact same thing. It shouldn't exist. Proposing this should be illegal. Proposing this shouldn't even be a thing. But unfortunately, it is a thing. And it's right in front of our faces as if we're not supposed to know. It's essentially, again, it's essentially a declaration of war Against the citizens of the United States, at the hands of our own government, and weaponizing our own military against us. Again, it's only a matter of time before foreign citizens become generals in our own country and actually attain a higher status in the military. Then what happens? I mean, let's play the long game on that scenario. Think about that for a while. What do you think the long term plan is for all of that? And who's responsible? Who's responsible for drafting such legislation? It's not these two guys. These two guys are blackmailed. They're blackmailed by the Jewish lobby. It's the same thing. Same game, same controllers. The same thing's playing out here. They're just the figureheads. They stamp their names on it at the bottom of the so-called bill. Again, it's bipartisan. So we got two people who seemingly oppose one another in that fake construct. And they both agree on this magically. Isn't that interesting? Well, who actually wrote it? Who came up with this plan? It wasn't them. It certainly wasn't them. Destroying our military from the inside is their plan against us. It's just being carried out one step at a time. We, we get to call this out. We get, to, we get to create some division in thought and then division in action. Again, anybody gullible enough to believe the left right paradigm in this day and age, they're, they're beyond saving. They're beyond saving. There's right and there's wrong. There's living in peace, of course, and then there's creating treason and division within our own country, which, of course, you would think would be treasonous to some extent, certainly in this case. Which kind of leads me to this now. I don't know how much of a segue there is to this, but. The CPAC conference took place this last week, and I'll will fu- fully state it here. Uh, I didn't I didn't listen to it at all. I didn't watch any of it. Um, I have in the past just to gauge what what these you know what the so called good guys and they're not, but you know what they claim to be thinking or, or discussing or talking about. What I can tell you is that I'm certain that it's not attended. By nearly as many people as it used to be. It's not nearly popular the the way that maybe it used to be, certainly among so called conservatives. People are starting to see right through all of this nonsense. They know that the schlaps are completely corrupt, they're horrible people, they treat everybody like trash. I mean, people are learning about this. What I wish would happen is that President Trump wouldn't show up and speak anymore at these things. These CPAC conferences are gross. I will say this, however. The president of El Salvador gave one hell of a speech, and I did listen to it. And this guy knows who the enemy is. He said every buzzword or identifying word that you could possibly say instead of saying Jewish. He said it time and time again. I don't even think I can go through all of them. He said bankers, globalists, money controllers, money lenders. Mafia, I mean, he, he rang off every conceivable term that you could possibly imagine that is actually Jewish controllers. It was astounding. So he knows who the enemy is. He knows who was embedded in El Salvador. And again, when you think of Mexican cartels or drug cartels or you know, these cartels in whatever country they, they exist in, People, again, don't think multidimensionally and think about who lends them the money or who owns their property or who collects the taxes. I mean, that's, again, the Jewish lobby. It's the same thing. But this guy, this president, again, his name has slipped my mind. My apologies. I could look it up, but the dude's based. This is the guy who, again, rounded up every single criminal for the most part and all the MS13 gang members and everybody else in their in their country and he's imprisoned them i would make a i would make one suggestion he should execute them all of them i mean i saw and you've probably seen it too the pictures of all of those MS13 dudes in their underwear and they're all handcuffed and they're hogtied and they're basically you know face to butt all lined up in this giant line inside of this prison Even the thought of these guys not wearing clothes uh, bound the way that they are inside of a prison, even that scares me. (laughs) I mean, it really does. Because think about it. In our country, all it takes, at least this is the way it works here, in our country, all it takes is one person behind the Oval Office desk to sign on a piece of paper, and then a criminal gets out of jail. Donald Trump's done it. Barack Obama's done it. George Bush has done it, his father before him, Bill Clinton, I mean, Ronald Reagan, they've all done it. They've all signed signed into freedom particular criminals to get out of jail. I disagree with this, of course, for a variety of reasons, most obvious, but at the exact same time, this guy just went around rounding them all up, didn't even care, said, I want all the police to go get these people and arrest them right now. And they did. Now, I know another guy in history who who did that in his own country and cleaned it up rather quickly. I think you know who I'm referencing. Again, individuals who are leaders of countries have the ability to do this. This is one of the things that we're waiting for Donald Trump to do. This is something that has to happen. You have to round up all of these gang members, all of these illegals. And then you, of course, have to go after the banking system and you have to round them up. You have to go after the government officials. The representatives, the senators, all these criminals, they all have to be done away with. And I'm telling you, I understand that there are resignations taking place, and I understand that there are things going on behind the scenes that we can't comprehend and that we're maybe not supposed to know about. Although much of it we can interpret and we can certainly um, investigate. And again, I have no doubt that there are good things happening. But as you've heard me say in the past, we have to see things at face value. Something has to happen on a level that's going to wake up the masses to a great extent to the level of evil and brainwashing that exists in our country. We have to physically see it. That has to happen. And again, that's, that's the real litmus test for me. is when is that going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then let's, let's reap the benefits of, of what will occur when that actually happens. Here's another thing too of course which you've heard me say has to change and it has to be something that we visibly see change which of course is voting and the way that we conduct voting in our country. This happened just the other day of course with Trump winning in South Carolina to no one's surprise. Um and again Nikki Haley's an absolute lunatic. And she's out there of course because she's bought and sold and she's completely controlled and she's being used by her controllers to uh To basically, again, show up on numerous shows and just bash Trump because they think that having her bash him is good for them. Well, joke's on all of them. It's not working out for anybody. But this is, again, from the Gateway Pundit. My apologies for the reference. It says, here we go again. South Carolina voters unable to vote reportedly due to Internet being out. Voters told to put ballots in another slot. So. There's things things changing there, things happening. People can't vote. Uh, things aren't plugged into the walls properly. Again, the internet existing as, as a result of, uh, of course, the screening taking place and the actual voting taking place. I mean, they have to be hooked up to the internet. We know that. They are hooked up to the internet. I took pictures of it when I voted the last time. Same thing. You see all the ethernet cords running to it because, again... It uploads it all onto a thumb drive and it uploads it onto the individual's computer to verify that you, in fact, voted. But if that all goes down and they pull another Kerry Lake kind of scenario, where again they say, well, just put your ballot in this magical bin and then we'll count it later. You know, I've, I've said this on the show, this is going to be the thing that happens on November 5th. This is going to be one of those things. The old whoopsie, it's not plugged into the wall properly, and oops, our technology is down. Um, Just go ahead and give us your ballot or, you know, take this paper ballot. And oops, we're out of paper ballots. So um, I guess you're just going to have to wait here while we get some, and chaos. (laughs) Then you're just going to have chaos. You're going to have lines of people who can't vote on voting day. Chaos. I think it's coming. It's going to come again. Some places are; it's going to run smoothly, and then in other places, absolutely not. And this, hopefully, again, this has to be one of the things that we see. We have to hear about people being arrested in towns and cities for knowingly engaging in voter fraud. Think about what happened again in Maricopa County two years ago. Honest to God, no one's been arrested for this yet. No one's been arrested. The evidence couldn't be clearer what was it something like 60% plus of their voting machines and their 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 tabulation machines all went down throughout the course of the day i'm sure it was a complete accident you know and just a coincidence that it happened that day everything was fine beforehand for the most part yeah the primary got a little jacked up but whatever again people are guilty of very serious crimes and a lack of accountability is, is always the perpetual problem that perpetuates problems. We have to see things change around here. We have to see it. And who cares if it hurts people's feelings? And who cares if people are offended? The law is the law, and we got to get back to that. Okay. Education stuff. Again, you talk about chaos. Get a load of this, and I'm going to play some audio here. Chicago Board of Education votes unanimously to remove resource officers from city schools. Now, this, is, this was an interesting article, and I'm going to kind of do my best to summarize it a little bit. The officers themselves don't necessarily want to leave these schools. And apparently, the Chicago public schools have basically allowed, at least this is my interpretation of it, they've allowed this to be a decision that is left to the actual building principals. That if the building principals want an armed SRO on their their school campus, then they get to have them. But what's the one thing that they apparently all want? And keep in mind, it's even students themselves who were protesting to actually have resource officers removed from the schools themselves. What do the students want? The students want restorative justice practices. That's right. They want the very failed thing that doesn't work at all, that I've brought up at length on this show. They want that in place of school resource officers who are armed, who can swoop in very quickly and stop a particular illegal activity from happening, and of course, arrest someone because it's visibly obvious that they've engaged in a crime. In Chicago, in their public school system. Again, this is also what happens when you have the inmates running the asylum, and you actually give any credence to what a student says, and you care about what they think and how the building should be run. It's also the dead giveaway again when, as you've heard me say again regarding Brockton, Massachusetts, same kind of thing. When you, when you propose the existence of a committee and you want children in that school district to sit on that committee, you're a fool. And you're asking for endless problems. No adult should be asking a child what they think about how to run a business, a multi-million dollar business. <laughs> it's absurd. But here's the, uh, here's the local channels, ABC Channel 7 out of Chicago news report on this from YouTube. Give this a listen in 3, 2, 1.
1: A shift for Chicago public schools. Today, the Board of Education approves a plan to remove school resource officers in the schools. So the policy work will start now over the next two months with the goal of of having a policy for the board to review and approve by, by June of this year. Late today, board members voted on the whole school safety plan they say was years in the making.
0: We are investing in these schools and they will have the opportunity to decide how to use those funds.
1: The resolution had been debated today and in previous days. The first public comment today from an Austin man so concerned with a plan to remove SROs and a limited time to speak, the board called for an emergency recess. Dwayne Truss shared more of his comments with journalists during the recess. Jameer Johnson said that he's going to respect the rights of local school council and then I guess the, the left said no 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 get those officers out of the school and it's like what sense does that make? More than a dozen elected officials also shared their views both in support and opposition of the plan.
0: The blood is going to be on your hands if something happens to some kids or some teacher or some crazy parent in a parking lot at dismissal time.
1: A call to pull police from Chicago Public Schools was heard in 2020 after the death of George Floyd with youth-led protests about police brutality. Today, a rally before the board meeting, those who support this new way to keep students and staff safe without SROs and redirecting money to support and programs for
0: students. It's so important for me to speak up because if if I'm not able to speak up for my youth, they're not going to have the power to speak up. So somebody needs to set that up so I'm going to set the example for my youth to be able to
1: speak up. We're told over the next few months, a plan will be developed to help those schools that have armed police officers on their campuses. Currently, 39 Chicago public schools have SROs.
0: Ah, George Floyd. You see what happens with lying? This is, this is the point I made earlier. Same point. This is what happens with lying. And when lies are believed, they lead to policy. And it leads to policy implementation and policy change, all based on a lie. I'm absolutely shocked that people continue to send their children to school environments. I'm completely shocked. However, it's the indicator. It's the indicator that they're not awake, they're not aware, that... I I don't want to go so far as to say they're brainwashed but but they but many of them of course as we know certainly are. And we know again that there are many parents who who are awake and even their children are awake and they're still going into these environments by and large because either they're about to graduate or they're about to leave and and they don't want to leave right at the end they just want to finish and then get out. I mean I understand that also. But it's this mentality of, of individuals thinking that nothing bad is ever going to happen to them. That, oh, that happened in that other school or, oh, that happened in that other state or in that city, that it'll never happen here. It'll never happen to me. I'm telling you, it's just not a way to walk through life assuming a number of different things that are remarkably dangerous aren't going to happen to you or the people that you know. But again, this is the entire education business. Uh, again. If you walk into an education environment and you ask these so-called school psychologists or any of these teachers or any of these administrators about Edward Thorndike and the work of Edward Thorndike, they'd say who the hell's that? I mean they they don't have a clue. They don't know that he's the father of modern American educational psychology and that treating everybody like farm animals, in particular the people that run the buildings, is exactly the plan. That if you control the message you control the people they've got these individuals actually believing in Chicago that not having school resource officers is a good thing because it's it, it looks it looks dangerous with all of them around, and it's not equitable because they don't exist in white schools the way that they do here, and so if we just do away with them here, then all of the good things in the world will just magically happen where we send our kids to school in the Chicago public school system. You have got to be kidding me. This is the chaos, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. Only a matter of time. Again, the guy was right, one of the public speakers, the blood's going to be on your hands if somebody gets killed. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Then what? They don't care. They're school board members. They're running, arguably, the most corrupt school system on the face of the planet and one of the largest on the face of the planet. These are not thinking people. But again, people just send their children there not knowing that they don't have to. They don't even know, they don't even know a exists. They don't even know that online education avenues exist. Which, that actually brings me to this very quickly. I don't think I mentioned this in the last episode. When I was talking about Brockton, Massachusetts, okay, and, and bringing up, again, all of the facts of that uh, absolute horror show over there. Um, at one point, one of the board members brought up how students have YouTube channels regarding Brockton, and they basically, again, air a lot of the footage that they take with their own cell phones inside of, of Brockton High School specifically, whether it be fights or gossiping or bullying or not doing what they should be doing, a thousand other things. I actually got online and I watched one of these student-created YouTube videos, student, I use that loosely, um, from inside of Brockton High School. It is as bad as you would think. And I'm going to do my best to summarize this because it was maybe like a 20-minute long video. It is, and it, again, it exemplifies the brainwashing and everything of course that is wrong with society all basically in in one video taken by of course a brainwashed youth a, a brainwashed black individual who uh is inside of this inside of this building at no point except for i would say very briefly is there is there a single white student on film and inside of the building where this video is being taken if you can imagine this It's being taken in two staircases that are on opposite ends of a series of lockers. So there's this multi, again, multi-floored staircase with giant windows that allow you to see outside into the parking lot. And then when you make your way to the top of the staircase and you go through these swinging doors, there's a series of lockers, rows of lockers, I should say. And again these rows stick out like a letter T out from the actual wall itself so there's a row that sticks out of the wall and there's lockers on both sides of this of the of the the stem of the letter T so to speak and then there's a gap and then there's another row of lockers on both sides and then there's a gap and then there's another row of lockers and then there's a gap so there's basically like these mini hallways in between these lockers where clearly anything could could occur outside of the the visual sight of anybody trying to observe something at one point in this video well actually all you see throughout the entire video are these are these black and mexican and mixed race students picking on each other they're all bullying one another they're stealing each other's property and then running away with it and filming it and laughing and then they get it back and then they high five and then they're you know doing what they can to to not to not be physically touched and not make fun of one another and then they're physically touching and making fun of one another it really is a sociopathic uh psychopathic environment among these individuals remarkably dangerous and then at one point well it's remarkably dangerous from a developmental standpoint because these th- these kids are just nuts but at one particular point there's what looks like kind of a mexican looking guy and he's, uh, he's got a security, like a security badge on him, or like a security vest. And it says security on the back, and he's got a lanyard and a walkie-talkie. And he walks past these students who are sitting in the staircase, not doing anything other than all the other things that I just described. And, you know, he high-fives them, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he high-fives a couple more, and then he walks past them all. Again, that's part of the, that's part of the problem. They, of course, have a personnel problem. And is brought up earlier too with their cell phone policy, good luck taking that cell phone from that student who has himself a nice Brockton High School YouTube channel where it's just a bunch of wannabe gangster nonsense and all they're doing is acting tough and taking footage of each other's tennis shoes and asking everybody how much they paid for them. Well, I paid $300 for these. I paid $400 for these. I paid $500 for these. It's just useless. It's useless. Again, these people are supposed to be someplace. They're supposed to be elsewhere in the building. It looked like it was being taken, like the footage was being taken in the middle of the day. It's like, don't you belong somewhere? Isn't there somewhere for you to go? But no one has the courage to talk to these people. I mean, no one has the courage to stand up to any of them. The inmates run the asylum. So what's going to happen in Chicago when you take away the resource officers and you implement restorative practices? You're implementing a method that students know that they can take full advantage of. They can look an administrator right in the face and say, I promise I'm not going to do that anymore. I promise. I've learned my lesson. I understand. I, I like restorative practices. I get it. And they go, okay, okay, Jamal, head back to class now. And they go, thank you. And then they turn around and they smirk and they've got their fingers crossed and they walk out and then they're right back to doing what they're doing. These are dangerous environments. National security threat. There was also this one from last week, too. Uh, Syracuse, New York, if memory serves. A black female who was 31 years old and the mother of a student in the building entered the school building pretending to be a student for the sole purpose of attacking her child's school teacher, female school teacher, punched her in the face and in the nose numerous times, broke numerous bones. And again, the, the teacher is going to have serious long-term problems uh, from a medical standpoint for a very long time. Again, they, they walked into the building uh, uninterrupted as a 31-year-old black female parent with a hoodie over their head, pretending to be a student, and then again just walked right into the building, walked right into the classroom, and started wailing on this school teacher. But that won't happen in my class, and that won't happen in my school, and That won't happen, and that won't happen where I go to school. Yeah, keep saying that. Keep saying that. Keep saying those things. You've also, of course, heard me bring up numerous times the complete collapse from a financial standpoint regarding these places, whether they be K-12 schools, universities, you name it. Again, the well is drying up. The candle's being burned at both ends here. Eventually, there's not going to be a candle nor a wick anymore. It I mean the writing is certainly on the wall. Another prime example before this one that I bring up of course was one that I brought up last week, having to do with Harvard University. And how everybody has to be at least triple jabbed to even attend. Well, they're all gonna be dead. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know what else to say. If you have to be triple jabbed to attend a brainwashing institution, I mean wrap your head around that. There won't be a Harvard in the future there just won't. Now that doesn't sadden me. I'm glad that there won't be, but that's the long-term plan. That's the long-term plan for most of these places. Here was another one. This was tossed my way last week, uh, again, toward the end of last week. Concordia University, latest to announce cuts amid fiscal challenges. Now what's interesting is, is out in Oregon, Concordia, by the way, has numerous campuses all across the United States, Um, but their main campus, I believe in Oregon, shut down in 2020. I mean, the whole 2020 kickoff was was about all they could handle, and, and they were done. So this, uh, again, the subtitle for this is Another Milwaukee Area Private College. Cardinal Stritch University closed last year also. It says, Concordia University in suburban Milwaukee will likely cut staff in the face of financial instability, quote-unquote, according to a spokesperson for the university. University President Eric Ankerberg sent an email to students and staff February 13th saying that the university's campuses in Macon and Ann Arbor, Michigan, if I'm saying that right, uh, must reduce costs to operate substantially. It says Concordia University is taking these necessary steps to continue to fulfill its mission, a statement from the university said. According to the university, property, facilities, and equipment on the campus in Michigan will likely be sold. The statement did not detail how many jobs would be cut. Both universities are a part of the Concordia University System, a nationwide network of colleges and universities that are run independently, but are all affiliated with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, if I'm saying that right. It says that the two campuses merged in 2013 when Ann Arbor, quote, could not obtain needed cash flow, unquote. Enrollment has grown over average, on average rather, over the last decade. The suburban Milwaukee campus enrolled 6,274 students during the 22-23 school year compared to 1,359 students in Ann Arbor. Since 2013, enrollment at the Michigan campus has more than doubled. Says the announcement comes after the university staff completed a financial review on February 1st. Concordia's tax forms show that the school has run a deficit in five of the last six years, ranging from $2 million to $6.3 million. Again, adios. Don't know what else to say. Again, they don't have to replace it with anything, so don't think that they're going to replace it with something. And then again, just save everybody who, who lives there and works there and goes to school there. That's not the long-term plan. The long-term plan is to crush these places. Because if people don't have the money to send them, then they won't. And if people are awake to what's not being taught or what is being taught on these campuses, then they're not going to send them, which means they're going to go broke again. There's too many scenarios where these places are going broke. and And again, the places going broke don't know why they're going broke. They have no idea that it's the subjects they're teaching, the things that they don't know, And of course, like I said at the top of this episode, the lies that they're falling for and all of the false things that they believe. You can't keep a ship afloat that way. You just can't. Okay, jab stuff, but also school-related. Let me bring this up. This was on Dr. Mike Eden's Telegram channel. He said that this was a speech sent to him by a friend out of New York regarding uh, a very specific bill. That is titled, Action Bill uh, 6761. And this is awful. And I'm going to read this guy's speech because he describes what this really means and what's really going on with this. And then, uh, yeah, we'll dive in here. So here's what this individual said apparently in their speech. They said, Good afternoon, everyone. Some of my ancestors spoke Spanish, so I am among friends here. We are all here to protect our families, our children, our communities, no matter where you come from. God created each of us, and if He gave you children, He gave them to you as a gift to raise them and teach them right from wrong. God did not give those children to government. We are here to talk about Bill A6761, a horrible, unimaginable piece of legislation that seeks to rip kids away from their parents and break up families. It says the bill removes all parental authority and decision making from where it belongs, with the child's parents. Bill A-se- A6761 says that a child can make their own decisions about having a surgery they want without telling their parents. It says that a child can take any drug or injection without their parents' approval. Just imagine how this bill, if passed into law, can be utilized to do medical procedures on kids after influencing them into wanting, quote-unquote, the procedure, whether through social media, peer pressure, or social contagion, or through teachers and therapists. The government has already done too much to our kids. Little by little, they've been destroying them more and more. First, they took God out of the school system. Of course, kids are going to get depressed when they are made to believe that they have no creator and no ultimate purpose. It goes on here, and it says, Then the government had has been directly responsible for bringing in drugs and promoting promiscuity and gender confusion, all of which caused depression and conflict between children and their parents. All of this has been with the aim of breaking up the family so the government can be in control of the population because people who are alone without a strong family structure are weaker and more vulnerable yep it says that is just what the predatory powers want and now bill A6761 is a further leap on top of it all the government wants to legalize that those poor kids that that they're halfway in control of already should now be easily should now easily, rather, be able to do irreversible harms to themselves with drugs, shots, and surgeries that they don't even understand the lifelong ramifications of. This proposed law is absolutely crazy. It does not make any sense. We all know that kids are very open to the power of suggestion and the power of persuasion, that kids can easily be influenced and even bribed, and that children just want instant gratification. Kids cannot properly think. About and weigh the long term effects of their decisions. This is why children cannot legally marry, drive, vote, or buy alcohol or cigarettes. Yet the people who wrote the bill pretend that children of any age can give informed consent, quote unquote, to any medical procedure or treatment. The bill even says, unbelievably, that doctors won't be able to tell an infant's parents about the medical procedures that the infant has had. Which the infant consented to, quote unquote, if the infant doesn't authorize, quote unquote, for the parents to be informed. Infant. It sounds like a joke, but it's actually evil, it says. This is a purposeful plan to cut parents out of their kids' lives. Just imagine how this bill can be abused to medically experiment on our babies without our knowledge, all under the cover of the law. This is criminal. And no, Bill A six seven six one is not to help homeless kids. That's a lie and a falsehood to deceive you. There's already a law on the books that covers homeless kids. Bill A six seven six one covers all children. Exclamation point. The same bill is meant to harm all children. Bill A six seven six one is the depths of evil. It is not about helping kids, it's about destroying children and families. Please spread the word and oppose Bill A-6761 with everything you've got. God bless you. Unquote. What more proof do people need that they need to pull their children out of these environments? Again, New York is just a testing ground. They do this kind of stuff and again, like I said earlier, even proposing such a thing should be a crime. The mere proposal of this should be a crime, because what, what, what are they proposing? They're proposing murder. That's what they're proposing. They're proposing childhood suicide. They're proposing the manipulation of children to ultimately end up dead or abused by the system or a thousand other things. This is how deep the corruption goes. School environments are the last places for American children. It's the last place anybody should go. Let me give you another example. This is on one of the chat boards that I pay attention to. It was titled the following. They really are coming for your children. The poster said the following, quote, our kids' private elementary school has three-day middle school field trips every year, or a three-day middle school field trip, it said, to a nature center. The Nature Center is pretty left with tree huggers and climate commies and whatnot, but most kids just roll their eyes and then go play on the ropes course. It says, we got an email from the principal recently stating that this year, the middle school would not be participating in the field trip for the first time in 10 years. Apparently, they have inserted woke transgender sessions for the kids to learn about pronouns and gender spectrums and get groomed to be used and abused. It says, aside from the fact that this is really out of place at a nature center retreat, it really shows how insidious and pervasive this evil crap has become. Really proud of the principal for stepping up and rejecting this garbage, unquote. Yeah, good for them. The sad part, of course, is that numerous school principals would go along with it, and they'd say, oh, you're doing that? Well, that sounds inclusive. That sounds really equitable. Well, we won't tell everybody that that's what you're going to do because we don't want you to lose participation. So we'll just keep it a secret and then we'll just field the complaints if there happen to be any. And we'll play dumb and act like it, you know, act like we didn't know it was going to happen in the first place. And we'll just send the students there anyway. Nothing good happens at camp. I thought this was a well-known fact. (laughs) I I thought people knew this. You don't send your kids to a camp. Certainly not in this day and age anyway. I mean, they were dangerous when I was a kid. I never went. Our school offered one up. I've told that story before. They offered one up and I said, no, I'm not going. And what comes out of those camps once they're all done and everybody comes back? There's always some dirty stories about something that took place. Again, these places are dangerous. They're all dangerous and their affiliations are dangerous. So yeah, good for the principal, and good for you know shielding those students and those parents from that particular environment, and hopefully, again, it sounds like they made the parents e- even aware, which is great, because hopefully the camp just ceases to exist in the future, but good Lord, this is the direction. This is what's going on. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to end with this one. I think I, I think I alluded to this in the last episode. I'm not sure if I did or not, but I want to kind of go through it a little more specifically. This was from, this was making the rounds the other day, but this is actually from April of last year. Interesting timing, almost a year year after the fact. But this is a New York State Homeland Security and Emergency Services document, and that's the header at the top called, again, Emergency Management, and it is titled Space Weather Response, DHSES Executive Checklist. And then it has scope to be used by leadership in a potential event that has impact on state infrastructure or residents. There's a uh, kinetic impacts, key considerations, and then key needs. And there's basically, again, those three three separate columns. This is a two-page document. And again, if it's to be believed, which the, the document looks real. But this particular caption below it says, Hi, I just wanted to share with you, my husband came home this morning with something he received for the first time ever in 23 years of law enforcement. They're preparing for the blackout. Essentially what this document is, is again, these are the kinetic impacts that they list here. And then like I said, they have key considerations and things that people should consider when it comes to what to do. And of course, this is for law enforcement. And then, of course, it has a list of key needs. The kinetic impacts are listed as follows. It says communication network outages. That's one of them. And then, of course, what to do and what that means. Power outages. Transportation navigation interruption. Healthcare facility service interruptions. Food water distribution centers. Cascading impacts. And then civil unrest. And then, of course, how to manage all of that and what to do. So regarding the first one, which was communication network outages, it specifically brings up radio, cell phones, satellites, among other communication channels could face disruption. Nine one one and call centers might, might face interruptions. Uh, designated public radio stations for public announcements could be leveraged, but might not have reliable connections. And then it says Space Weather Prediction Center is top SME on impacts and has 24-7 line. SWC has number. And then again, it basically says, how do we mitigate that? It says, try to use uh, radios and phones, effective communication strategies, and blah, blah, blah. And then power outages. And again, they list all different kinds of power outages that could occur And then how to mitigate that with generators, dry ice and water uh, utilities are required to provide along with having fuel. Transportation interruptions. Again, it talks about mass transit networks being compromised. Flights may be grounded. Potential impacts to communication and navigation systems. Healthcare facilities being shut down or not being able to be accessed. Food and water distribution centers could be Compromised, they said, homebound mobility, impaired resident may need direct food, portable water distribution. Uh, Other distribution centers may be closed. So on and so on and so on. And then again, civil unrest. It says an extreme space weather event could significantly disrupt daily life and lead to major civil unrest given unprecedented impacts. It says in the most extreme cases, 911 will quickly. Uh, be inundated or not functional and first responders will have to deploy in mass. And then it says public safety personnel would have to be contacted, of course, regarding key needs and then effective public information strategies. Yeah. Again, this is being given to police officers. This is being given to first responders. There's no way this only went out to this one individual. This went across the board throughout the state of New York a year ago. Again, they have safety and security, health and medical, energy communications, transportation, food and water sheltering, prepare, activate, respond, you know, a giant checklist of of what to do and where to go and how to behave. This is this is going to get interesting. Again, the agencies associated with this are FEMA, National Weather Service, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, U.S. Department of Energy, and the U.S. Department of Transportation. And then, of course, at the top, it's Homeland Security and Emergency Services. So they're prepping for something. That's the whole point here they're they're handing this documentation out this documentation it's is of course making its way to the internet from good citizens who are taking pictures of it and observing it and letting us know and then we just have to uh yeah understand that they've got something planned and it's going to be interesting interesting timing again with last week's outage which again i i think was not necessarily black hats doing anything wrong. I think it was probably good guys doing something and potentially even warning us of something that might come down the pipe here. So either way, ladies and gentlemen, heads on a swivel as always. Thanks for listening. Lots of info there, and I will catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.